Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is proudly brought to you by Little Ones. Little Ones are a new range of nappies available only at Countdown. These new nappies have a super soft, breathable inner lining to help keep your baby's skin soft and dry. The super absorbent core quickly draws moisture away from the skin so that baby is dry for longer. There's also a really helpful wetness indicator which changes colour when wet, and a fit indicator on the front of the nappy that lets you know when it's time to upsize and helps you centre the nappy on your baby. The nappies have a stretchy waistband which is soft and gentle, as well as elasticated leg cuffs to ensure there is less leakage whilst also allowing your baby to move freely and maximise comfort. Little Ones is available in a wide range of sizes including infant, crawler, toddler, walker and junior. As well as the nappies, check out the Little Ones super absorbent and gentle baby wipes. They are enriched with aloe vera, vitamin E and chamomile extract, perfect for baby's hands, face and bottom. The hypoallergenic formulation is alcohol and soap free with a pH balance. There is a fragrance free and scented option. Little Ones nappies and wipes are big on quality but low on price. Look out for the cute dots on pack next time you're in your local countdown or shop online at countdown.co.nz. A huge thank you to Countdown for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. I have actually tried the Little Ones nappies, so if you want to head to my Instagram, I will talk more about them then. But yeah, huge thank you to Little Ones and Countdown for sponsoring this episode. I really appreciate it. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Kate, and Kate takes us through her two pregnancies and birth stories. And Kate actually has scoliosis, so that added um, an extra layer of complexity to her pregnancies and recoveries. And she also takes us through her journey to conception. So they had a bit of trouble conceiving initially, um, and then a relatively standard pregnancy. She was induced at 41 weeks and 9 days, so she takes us through that birth journey, which actually ended up being quite a traumatic experience for Kate. And then she talks us through her blood loss and blood transfusions and sort of everything that happened from that birth and how she processed all of that. Because she had a fourth degree tear, she was told that she would need a C-section for her next birth and she sort of juggled back and forth with that information and trying to make that decision. So in the end, they did decide to go for an elective caesarean the next time that they fell pregnant and... Kate takes us through what that was like and how her C-section played out, um, her physical recovery and the difference between the C-section and her first birth. And she also talks us through um, some unexpected news that they had that was a bit of a complication about Harrison, their second baby, post-birth. So 
It's a really interesting episode and I really love that Kate has the mentality of elective C-sections being totally normal um, and she's trying to reduce the stigma around elective caesareans. So this is a great episode. I think Kate does a great job of sharing their story and I hope that you get something out of it. So I would love to know your feedback at the end. Feel free to leave me a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or send me an email or a message on Instagram. I would love to chat with you. I really love hearing from you all and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Let's jump into the episode. Hey Kate, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. No worries. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Sure. Um, I'm in based in Wellington. Um, I've been in New Zealand for pretty much my whole life. Um, I've been with my partner Mark for uh, ten years, um, and we were to get we've been married for about four years, I think it is. <laughs> um, we've got a three and a half year old called Evie, and a one year old named Harrison, um, and yeah, just us four and the cat in Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome, very cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys the first time around? Um, we started trying pretty much straight away. Um, like I think a lot of couples after we got married, yeah. um, cause we always knew that what we wanted. Um, and I had been on the pill for like over 10 years, um, like a lot of yeah. people. Um, and I, my period never came back. Um, so I went to fertility associates after trying for quite a few months, I think about six months. Um, and I just knew that something wasn't right despite doctors telling me to wait, but I'm a very impatient person and you just know when something's not right um so I went there and they helped me with progesterone to start my um period and then um I didn't ovulate (laughs) um so I had to take uh letrozole which is a form of um like clomide I think it's called um and then we discovered that I um ovulated but I ovulated late in my cycle just like my sister and my mum amazingly enough Um, yeah which is super weird it must be genetic in some way um (laughs) but after a few attempts we managed to to get um yeah it was amazing (laughs) yeah wow and did had you sort of had normal periods before you'd gone on the pill or you don't even really remember what that was like um they were quite um heavy so during um the journey to conceive evie i found out i've got a pcos um yeah right yeah. yeah um it's not as bad as a lot of women have but it was enough to affect my fertility mm-hmm. um and that would have obviously impacted um how I my periods were before I went on the pill yeah. as well um yeah. and it hasn't seemed to impact me since having children which is amazing um it sort yeah. of straightened itself out afterwards <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cool, awesome. And you were obviously um, tracking your cycles and sort of being pretty vigilant with trying to get pregnant, but do you want to take us through finding out that you were pregnant and how you found those first few weeks? Did you have many symptoms or anything like that? Um, Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was super onto it with tracking everything. (laughs) I used every app that you possibly could use. Um, (laughs) And then so I tested quite early as, most people who are trying to conceive do um that two-week wait is mm-hmm. really difficult um and I think I got a positive a faint positive test at about I think it was nine days post ovulation um and the first thing I did actually was my sister um 
has been incredible and she's um she's been a nurse and she's also a midwife she's based in melbourne um and i sent her the first thing i did was i sent her the um a photo of the positive pregnancy test um i said can you see the line or am i imagining things um and yeah i went back to fertility associates for blood tests um my hcg levels were quite low um because i caught her i caught it so early so um i had to have pregnancy i had to have blood tests every i think it was every two days for about 10 days um that was quite stressful, but luckily my HCG levels went up as they should. And yeah, then told Mark um, after a few days and yeah, told the family. They weren't surprised because they <laughs> knew that we were <laughs> yeah. trying, but um, they were very happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. And what was your first trimester like? How did you find the sort of pregnancy symptoms and did you have much morning sickness? Um, with Evie, I didn't the first time. Um, I was, I just remember being so exhausted. I've never been so tired in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like the level of tiredness is just, it's so, it's hard to comprehend if you haven't been through that. Um, yeah. and the weirdest thing was I had in super intense cravings for, um, lollies, like sour lollies. Uh, and also, yeah. People who know me wouldn't be surprised to know, but um, McDonald's McMuffins. I'm pretty sure Evie was made for <laughs> the McDonald's McMuffin. Like she, my record yeah. was seven in one day. It was. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I I lived off those in the first trimester. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just got to get through those yeah. first twelve weeks. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Awesome. And what about the rest of your pregnancy? How were you feeling? And did you do all of the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand? Did you find out the sex? Um, why we we did find out the sex. Um, we found out at twenty weeks, which is standard. Um, the NIPS test wasn't yeah. a thing back then, like only only three years yeah. ago. Um, but we did all of the usual um testing at twelve weeks and everything. Yeah, so the first, we did like all the usual testing um, that is offered to everybody, and we found out because we, me in particular, I'm a big planner, and I had to know as soon as we could. Um, so we found out that she was a girl at 20 weeks, um, <laughs> and we actually went on our honeymoon when I was, I think I was in, I think I was 13 weeks along, which was absolutely exhausting. We went to Japan, <laughs> um, and I could, I couldn't really eat anything because it was all sushi um and seafood and I'm allergic to seafood so again I lived off McDonald's in um, (laughs) Tokyo (laughs) but um it was amazing um and I was just exhausted like I had to go back to the apartment to have power naps and my husband would like go to Mm. a bar and have lunch and (laughs) meet up again (laughs) um but yeah we had all the standard testing and um she turned out to be quite a big baby so I had to have quite a few gross scans throughout my pregnancy um and I had a semi-placenta previria as well um but that thankfully moved as I got bigger and as she got bigger yeah yeah awesome cool and how were you sort of feeling emotionally towards birth did you have many thoughts around a birth plan or how you might like um your birth to go um Emotionally, I think I was, she was two weeks overdue, so I was over it, um, and Mm. I was definitely ready. Um, In terms of the birth plan, I think given that um, my sister, you know, 
um, helped me along the way during my pregnancy. Um, I had sort of realistic expectations. Um, I ideally wanted, my dream would have been to have a water birth, but um, yeah. I was also totally open to um, an epidural. And I sort of, I know myself well enough to know that I was probably going to have an epidural, which I did. Yeah. Um, so I was also, you know, fine if that happened as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I was just exhausted and I just became determined to get that baby out towards the <laughs> end that that was all I was focused on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And did you do any like antenatal classes or any birth education before your labour? Yeah, we did. We did the one in Wellington through um, it's in the Cancer Society room, so I can't remember the name of it, um, but that was really helpful. And um, my sister runs a company in Melbourne called Parent Prep, which is kind of like antenatal, but it goes into um, what happens after birth as well, which is you know, oh, that, nice. that fourth trimester, which is super yeah. helpful. And so we were lucky enough to have her come over um, from Melbourne and she took us through everything, which was really hands-on and really helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. And did you do anything in preparation for birth? I know like you can Google it and it'll tell you antenatal expressing or raspberry leaf tea or eat lots of dates. Um, did you do yeah. anything like that? Um, I drank raspberry leaf tea um, and I hate dates. So I avoided them. <laughs> um, I, what else did I do? I didn't really do that much, to be honest. I remember like yeah. sitting forward quite a bit to sort of open my pelvis up especially because she was so big I didn't like to take the pressure off yeah um and yeah I didn't I just kept fit and active as much as I could during my pregnancy um yeah and besides that I definitely didn't do some of the stuff that some people um (laughs) do I think I was a bit slack on that regard and maybe that's why her labor turned a bit gnarly but (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Cool. And do you want to take us through her labour starting and how far along you were and was it spontaneous? Um, it wasn't spontaneous. Um, she she was showing us who was boss from the very beginning. <laughs> um, she, she was being stubborn and I was induced at uh, 41 weeks and nine days. Um and oh, was it 41 weeks and 10 days yeah and um we went into hospital that morning um and they started the gel um and then I got up and sort of walked around and I remember watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I can never watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine again <laughs> <laughs> um and we went for a walk to get lunch and then suddenly I got the most intense contractions right in my hip like in my hip bone Oh. Um, and it was so painful and I couldn't walk. And my husband was laughing at me because I think he didn't know what to do. It was um, very awkward. Um, yeah. And then um, I managed to get back. And so I thought, um, you know, it's all on. Um, that was on the 17th of May. And my birthday is the 17th of July. And my mum's is the 17th of the month. We've got heaps of 17th in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout the day, I kept saying to my midwife, is she going to be born on the 17th? And the answer was super optimistic and then as the day went on it became <laughs> less optimistic yeah. and she ended up being born um after you know an induction and all of the interventions on yeah. um 40 40 weeks 41 weeks and 10 days so she was born yeah. the next day 
after a 24-hour labour. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And do you want to take us through um, that induction process and then, um, yeah, into your labour and birth story now? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I was induced, um, I think it was at 7 in the morning, um, they started the whole process. Um, things were tracking pretty well. Like I said, I got some um some contractions in my hip and so everything was um, going well so they moved me down to um, the maternity ward the birthing um, suite Um, and then things sort of stalled a little bit so they put me onto the drip um, and that was going well but my water still hadn't broken so um, the doctor came in to break my waters Um, my husband misheard him and he thought when they break your waters, um, mine, nothing came out, no water came out. So he wanted to check that it was done properly. Um, and he also wanted to check baby's response. Um, so he said, pass the scalp clip. But my husband thought he said, pass the scalpel. And he fainted. Because so. oh, no. <laughs> he thought it was all happening. Oh. Um, <laughs> so he was in the corner feeling woozy about to pass out my midwife looking after him <laughs> in there um putting the scalp clip on ev and breaking my waters um, um and then they increased the drip um and just before they put me on um a higher level of a drip i got my epidural which was amazing yeah. i absolutely loved it um i have scoliosis which means i've got a twisted spine yeah so it was always going to be a little bit touch and go as to whether the epidural would yeah, work. Okay. Um, yep. And it did for the first half hour and then it stopped working entirely. Um, and then so the um, anaesthetist came back and he tried again and it worked on the different side. Um, <laughs> and then a different person came back and they tried again and it didn't work at all. Um, so I had three failed attempts at the epidural, which was – a bit of a, a mess with my head to be honest because yeah. um, I did have that I had half an hour of pain relief and mm. then it came back and it felt like the pain came back with a vengeance mm. and I was on the drip and I had only had like 30 seconds of break in between contractions yeah, yeah. Um, so in the end it got super close I had been fully dilated for um, almost two hours um, and I had she was sort of stuck in my pelvis um, and I didn't have the pain relief that I felt like I needed, so mm-hmm. I ended up having a full spinal, um, which thank God worked. Um, but because she was stuck and because I'd been so fully dilated for so long, um, they decided to get me into theatre just in case they had to do a caesarean. Yeah. Um, and my midwife told me that if they did the caesarean, then it would have to be under general because of all of the drugs I'd already had, which was... Right terrifying to me the yeah. thought of being put to sleep and then waking up with a baby um so I basically got into theater and I had one chance to try and get her out um and thankfully they got her out with pushing and forceps and they also um had to cut me as well yeah. and I had a horrific almost fourth degree tear oh, nice. um, because of all that yeah, um, but she was born happy, massive at 4.1 kgs. <laughs> um, she latched straight away. Um, she was amazing. But, yeah, I had that huge tear, and I also ended up losing almost two litres of blood. Oh, no. Um, so I, I, I was completely – she was born, I was completely 
euphoric like I didn't even realize mm. that I'd been in still in theater for the, the next hour like I looked at the clock I was like hang on wasn't she born an hour ago yeah. um and they were still stitching me up and trying to get the blood loss under control mm. um but luckily they did and I had two blood transfusions the next day and I was fine thankfully <laughs> yeah. yeah and how did you feel um yeah I guess for the next 24 48 hours um you've had obviously quite a quite a big birth experience and and lost a lot of blood so how did you find your sort of immediate recovery from that um I found it in in hindsight in particular um I found it really difficult like at the time I found it hard um but I had my midwife who was absolutely incredible um and the hospital team were really great as well like I had quite a few specialists come to see me and talk through the epidural and what went wrong yeah right yeah um I found it quite overwhelming because they came also came to me and said that for my second I need to probably have a cesarean Mm -hmm. and I was like I literally just gave yeah um less than 24 hours ago um and I don't think I quite understood like that things had gone so Mm. we know so wrong um I I was offered counselling and support um, from the hospital and from my midwife, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but luckily I didn't feel like I needed it. Um, but recovery physically was really tough. Mm. Um, and I don't think that I'd had, like, in terms of the hospital, they were all amazing, but they don't offer the same level of support for people who have had tears that, um, you know, cesarean people yeah. have yeah. because – it's so painful. Like you can't sit up, mm-hmm. you can't lie down. You it's just you can't walk. It's just unbelievably painful. Yeah. Um. And in hindsight, now after having a cesarean, you get a lot more support. Yeah. Um. And I found it the same like level of discomfort and pain. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? But um. Yeah. Um. Like with the cesarean you know, I was in a private room mm. and I had everyone coming in and constantly checking on me and um, all that sort of stuff. But with the tear, you, I had to ask um, the midwives for like a pad with, that had been frozen, like with mm. ice and stuff on it, just for the sort of the um, discomfort. Like, yeah, it was just different. It was very interesting having that hindsight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I managed to sort of get out for walks about a week later. Yeah. Um, as I've mentioned, Edie was quite big, so that didn't help. <laughs> so it was actually quite hard to lift her yeah. um, <laughs> um, with that pain. But um, I managed to make a good recovery, thankfully, and I had all of the right postnatal checkups yeah. and physio, women's physios and stuff, um, which was provided by my midwife. So that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Cool. And how many days did you stay in the hospital for before you went home? Um, I was in hospital for three nights, um, including the night. She was born at three in the morning, so including that. um, So a little, only like a day longer than most people. But yeah, I... They were they wanted to keep me an extra night, but um I wanted to go home. My midwife pushed for that, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah, cool. And how did you find that adjustment? Obviously, it's such a shock to the system coming home with the baby, and um, your whole life has changed. So, how did you find the adjustment to motherhood? Um, I found it, I think, a little bit easier than I expected because yep. I didn't think I was very maternal. Right. Um, like I've got friends and my sister who were like just born to you know be mothers mm. and stuff like that and I never felt that overwhelming urge to um you know be a mother yeah, I felt yeah. overly maternal um 
that Evie was like one of the those dream unicorn babies <laughs> who used to sleep um for ages and which I now know is a dream because my second was not that bad. <laughs> yeah. um and yeah I just I just always felt you know always felt happy and always felt right with Evie like she was just such a dream um I just always felt like she belonged with us and um yeah it was it was easier than I expected and I had incredible support like my mum used to bring me coffee every day every single day for about the first nine Mm -hmm. months um and Mark's parents came down and they were always checking in on us and they live in Mount Monganui but they were here often and yeah we were lucky to have incredible support which makes the world of difference Yeah. yeah yeah awesome cool and how did you find breastfeeding what was that journey like for you um it was pretty good actually she latched um literally the second that she was born um it was definitely painful um really painful but um I managed to yeah she was always um a good feeder and I ended up she was because she was such a big baby uh, she fed on demand which was really tiring like she until uh, she was about god I don't know like five or six months she would feed like at least probably hourly mm-hmm. at some some days um so it was exhausting and she was a real sort of snack feeder um so she'd feed for like 10 minutes if that and then she'd be done yeah. but then an hour later she'd need more yeah. so <laughs> um it's exhausting mm-hmm. but I always enjoyed it um and I yeah I always seemed to have enough supply thankfully I tried to get her into a bottle and she just was not having that like there was no way yeah. <laughs> um there were many tears shed over um you know spilt milk mm. and yeah that she wasn't having that so we breastfed until about 11 months yeah. um and then yeah she just sort of stopped one day and yeah that was it yeah yeah cool and what about your stitches how did you find that they healed and um yeah I know a lot of mums are always interested or first time mums in particular are always interested in um how stitches heal and and what that recovery process is like so how have you found that um they definitely I think they healed pretty well but there was definitely some just like it was just it was very uncomfortable mm-hmm. Um, and I had one in particular, I think it must have been one stitch or a couple of stitches um, that weren't quite right. So I had to go to a physio and get it um, sort of looked right. at. And it was just a bit of scar tissue that was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the physio helped me with that. Um, and I think I was lucky that cause the reason why I was in surgery for so long afterwards was because they they started to stitch me up and then they – um, stopped and did it again because <laughs> um, they were it was like a little bit of a rush job I think yeah, so okay. they made sure that it was done the right yeah. way um, so I think I was quite lucky with that um, but there was definitely in terms of the discomfort like that bit of scar tissue was uncomfortable for a couple of mm. years I'd say afterwards um, it's only now about three years that I can't really feel it anymore yeah. Um and there are definitely things you can do to help with that. And there's like even things that you can sort of like massage yeah, and yeah. there's amazing tools that you can use. But um, yeah, I'd say I think I was potentially unlucky to have that little bit of scar yeah. tissue that I could feel. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. And what did you sort of do um, in terms of your second pregnancy journey? So do you want to take us through um, if you decided that you wanted to try to have another baby and and what that journey was like? Yeah. um, We always knew that we would have two. Um, So even when Evie was born, like we, it was always there, like we'd always know, we always knew that we'd have a second. Um, And I think like most parents who know that they're going to have more than one have that dream age gap um and so we started we wanted the age gap to be about two and a half years um and so we started trying um around the time that we conceived Evie so it would have been like a two-year age gap um and given that we had troubles conceiving Evie and I didn't ovulate by myself you know we just made that assumption that it would be tricky um and so we tried that month and we we conceived Harrison (laughs) um so <laughs> they're two years and two weeks. Oh my apart, gosh! Yeah, <laughs> which was a little bit closer than we yeah. thought. But um, <laughs> he was obviously determined. Yeah. Um, and that pregnancy was definitely different. Yeah. Um, yeah, my um, I had it. I wasn't obviously as fit as I was um the first time, and my scoliosis was sort of more painful by then. Um, so I had more back mm. pain. Um, he was even bigger than Evie, so I had to have um, uh, fortnightly gross scans towards the end. Um, and the, I found it quite – and he, I was also sick and all that sort of stuff, but I found it really stressful because the whole time people were saying to me, you need to have a caesarean, you need to have a caesarean, yeah. and that was constantly weighing on mm. my mind about what to do. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when you found out that you were pregnant um, and you mentioned like the back pain and everything like that, is that worse because of the scoliosis? And did you notice that the first pregnancy or is it just sort of the same? Um, I definitely noticed the, um, the back pain with scoliosis, the first pregnancy. Yeah. Um, it almost felt like um, with my first pregnancy that my back hadn't been you know sort of molded in that way before so it was trying to readjust um and I didn't have that same type of pain with my second pregnancy um I just sort of had an, a huge overall pain like in my yeah. lower back which is where my spine sort of twists yeah. inwards um I also had with Harrison I had um SPD oh, yeah. I can't remember what it's I, I know too it's but I just or, can't remember off the top of my head I know, <laughs> um, but it's horrendously painful. Symph, yeah, um, it's really painful. So I had that as well. So it was, it was really sharp shooting mm. pains around your um, like pelvic area. Um, so I had that whenever I walked, and I also had the back oh, pain. No. So it was um, a pretty uncomfortable pregnancy. I was definitely over it, and I was very yeah. grumpy throughout most of it. <laughs> Yeah, and did you end up finding out the sex during this pregnancy as well? We did, yeah. Um, this time we did the NIPS test, yeah. um, which was awesome. We did it at, I think it was 10 weeks, and we got the results um, the following week. Yeah. Um, and we're just so impatient. Like The midwife called us, and she said, we've got the results, and everything's all good. He's healthy. Uh, well, you know, the baby's healthy. Um, and if you want, I can tell you the gender or I'll email it to you. And so I called my husband and I said, we can find out right now or we can wait. And he was like, find out right now. Yeah. So I was at work and I called the midwife back. And, um, yeah, she said, we're having a boy. And I was 
in complete disbelief. I honestly thought we were going to have another girl. Yeah. I always liked the idea of having um, sisters, mm. but yeah, we yeah got Harrison, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, awesome, cool. And so I know that you said um, everyone was sort of putting pressure on you to have a C-section. Do you want to take us through what your thoughts were around that and who was giving you that advice and then how you ended up making a decision? Yeah. Um, so I had like, I had people in each camp, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I had my sister who has assisted in, you know, hundreds of births and she's seen women birth successfully after such a like severe tear. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my main concern was the tearing. Um, and so she was sort of trying to, you know, I think just give me the confidence that I could try and birth him again, yeah. um, like try and birth him naturally. Um, and then I had my midwife was very much very neutral. She was fantastic um, at making me make the decision, um, but she did make some appointments for me at the hospital. And then I had those doctors who um, basically gave me the list of the six complications that happened during Evie's birth and the reasons why I should have a cesarean. Um, and it, t- it took me months and months and it was on my mind every day. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to decide. Like it just seemed weird to decide first off a date that he would be born. And then secondly, decide his entrance into the world. It was so strange. Um, and I think there is still a stigma around choosing a cesarean. Um, like even though it had medical reasons, mm. ultimately I was still making the choice to birth that way um and then I finally I spoke to my husband who was very supportive and we were having these <laughs> these um fortnightly growth scans and he was getting bigger mm. and bigger and um one doctor said it's not the fact that his head's so big which it was but it's the fact that his shoulders mm. are bigger than his head um so with someone who's had who's had blood significant blood loss and a tear um, you're, like the head, you know, as everyone knows, sort of convexes and comes out, but the shoulders don't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I think that was sort of the final decision for me. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I finally decided on a cesarean and it was, it felt like a weight was lifted off mm. my shoulders. It was awesome. Um, and the cesarean itself was a very surreal but super amazing experience yeah. it was really awesome yeah. yeah yeah awesome and do you want to take us through sort of when that was planned for and um yeah then into the actual cesarean experience yeah um so we planned the cesarean for 30 exactly 39 weeks um which was a thursday so um we were always warned that it might change depending on what happened you know give or take mm-hmm. Um, but we locked that in a few weeks before, um, so we had some time to prepare, which was actually, considering how Evie just, we didn't know when she'd come and she was two weeks over, it was like a, actually quite nice yeah. to know when he would um, arrive. And also having a, a child already was quite helpful because we could get my mum to help us. Um, and then in terms of the actual day, um, we I hadn't. I was obviously nil by mouth since the previous night, and we waited, and we were supposed to go in the morning, and then all these um, 
emergencies kept happening and these twins I remember there were like two sets of twins born that day um and they kept they kept bumping us um so we just waited patiently um I was allowed to have some a little bit of water I remember um which was the best water I've ever had um (laughs) and then finally it was our turn at three o'clock in the afternoon um and we were told actually that we were the last one for the day because the team was tired and it was um it actually depended on how the team felt after their lunch break um (laughs) whether we'd get to go that day um but luckily they were they felt okay after lunch break and we got to go in um and yeah it was crazy like walking I got to walk into the operating theater and just meeting the people who are about to deliver yeah. my baby it was so bizarre yeah it was such a different experience um and the whole team were lovely and my midwife was there um and she was super supportive um and yeah the anesthetist was incredible his name was Mike I always remember him mm-hmm. um he was so like excited <laughs> it's like he'd never done it before mm-hmm. obviously he had yeah. but he was just pumped he was he was awesome um and yeah, the um, the experience was amazing. You, they just sort of lie you down and they tilt you, which is very strange. And I still don't know why they tilt you mm. like that, but you're sort of lying on an angle. Um, and I've heard people say that it feels like you're like there's a washing machine or something inside of you, and it kind of mm. does feel like yeah. that. It just it's strange. You can feel the sensation, but you can't feel any pain. Yeah. It's very weird. Um, but he was so big, he ended up being 4.3 kgs, um, <laughs> that they, she had to, the doctor literally had to get up on the table <gasps> on her knees and push him out. <laughs> so I almost couldn't breathe. Oh my like, gosh. I thought she was going to collapse my yeah. lung. Like, <laughs> she was really like pushing him wow. out like so, um, strongly. Um, and he had actually been breached before that. I forgot to mention right. that. Um, so he was a bit folded up. He was the right way around that time um, by then, but he was like folded up quite a lot. Um, and he was so big, his head and the shoulders, which was my concern, were so big that they like tore a little bit of the incision oh, that they wow. made. Um, yeah, because he was just, his shoulders were just so massive. Um, and yeah, they lifted him up and he was perfect. There was no, like he cried straight away. There was, um, There was no you know, nothing on his lungs or anything like that. And the first thing the doctor said was, you made the right decision. Yeah. He's massive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was awesome. And they, I got um, skin to skin and, yeah, that was – he was covered in vernix. Oh, wow, really? Like it. Um, he was, com- yeah, completely white. It was crazy. Um, even my midwife said that she's never seen a baby, like, completely yeah. covered like yeah. that. But she got. She also took amazing photos, which I think are the coolest yeah. thing ever. And um, I'll treasure those forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very cool, awesome. And do you want to take us through sort of what happened from there? So, how long did you stay in the hospital for, and how did you find those first few days, um, in particular, in comparison to your first birth? Um, yeah, um, I hadn't actually thought about whether I'd mentioned this or not, but I think I will. Um, I was in hospital having a normal recovery. Um. Like I said, the support was amazing. Um, 
I yeah, all the midwives were super awesome and they were great at getting you up and about yeah. um early, which was really helpful. I mean, when you first stand up after a like um, season, so it weird. feels like you've been cut. Yeah, in half. it's the weirdest yeah. feeling, isn't it? Like I couldn't stand up. <laughs> It's just like it feels like there's something on your shoulders, like, yeah. you know, like you just can't, you've got no core yeah. strength, you just can't stand up upright. And I couldn't do that for like mm. days after, like just standing upright was an absolute no. <laughs> um, but getting up and about was definitely um, the right thing to do, even though it was yeah. difficult. Um, and yeah, this the physically, I actually found recovering from the cesarean easier than the mm-hmm. tear. Um, I also think, though, that I hadn't laboured for yeah. hours and hours like I had with the first, so um, that definitely would have mm-hmm. played a part. But, um, yeah, I think also because it was an elective and all that sort of stuff, it was I personally found it yeah. easier, and I was so glad that I did it. Um, and I ended up staying in hospital for four yeah. days. Um, it ended up being a little bit longer because – Harrison was born with um, an enlarged tongue okay. and his tongue stuck out yeah. quite a bit um, I remember the first thing my midwife said to me was he doesn't definitely doesn't have a tongue tie because his tongue is sticking out um, and I didn't think anything of it at the time but one of the hospital midwives picked it up and she flagged it to one of the um, the paediatricians there and a paediatrician came to me when I had no support and my midwife had just left the room and told me that she thinks he has a syndrome um a genetic mm. syndrome which isn't picked up um in the NIPS test um and so she we then went on to test his blood sugar levels which were normal by hospital standards um and normal by breastfed baby standards but for her she wasn't quite happy with them so then we had to spend the next two days doing heel pricks yeah. almost yeah. hourly. The poor little dude, he had like his heels were completely. Yeah, I can relate. Like, we were the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his levels went up as they should with a breastfed yeah. baby. Like this, they first started that before he was even um, 24 hours old. My milk hadn't yeah. come in. Um, I had to do um, some formula, which I was fine with, um, but at the same time, I was also quite firm that my milk hasn't come in. I know it hasn't mm. come in, and so my, what does she expect, basically? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we had to make the decision whether we wanted to do genetic testing, which would have taken two weeks, mm-hmm. and I'd have to wait another day um, in hospital, which would have been five, <laughs> five days. Mm. Um and I just we decided not to do that um, because we had um, Dr. Patel, who is the most incredible doctor. He came in and took one look at Harrison and said, no, nah, there's no way he's not a Beckwith baby. The syndrome was called Beckwith mm-hmm. um, something or other syndrome. Um, and so I've worked, like I've met um, Dr. Patel before. And so we just, tr- I trusted what he said mm-hmm. Um had previously diagnosed a baby with that same syndrome like the month before. Right. Um, and so he he knows what he's talking about. So anyway, that was just, yeah, an incredibly stressful. Yeah. It was so hard. It was the worst way to start life yeah. with a new baby. Like I'm not, yeah. I know other mothers go through so much worse, but um, it was, yeah, really stressful. Um, yeah. Just going through birth and being alone and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah. 
yeah, he he doesn't have the syndrome, which is great. Um, yeah. And he grew into his tongue, basically. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But it was, and, um, I, I actually ended up laying a complaint against that yeah. doctor who first said it, um, not because she shouldn't have said it um, because he didn't have it, but it was the way in which I didn't have any support and mm. also the fact that she, if she was concerned, then she should have said that they had concerns but not named the syndrome and then told yeah. me in detail yeah. what the syndrome would have meant. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, my complaint, they acknowledged it and she had to apologise and everything. Um, right. But it's it was just the fact that she that I didn't have support, which it's yeah, it's not good enough for a doctor. They, yeah, yeah. You should always have support, especially as a new mother, whether mm-hmm. it's the first or second or third or whatever. Yeah. And how did you find, yeah, I guess sort of like emotionally recovering from that experience and how did you find it once you went home? And yeah, was it much different to your first birth and then obviously having that um, bit of a bumpy start? How did you find that? Um, I definitely found that I took – a bit longer to bond with Harrison. Um, mm. He was also a bit more challenging. Like he had, um, it turns out he had a corn allergy and I was like, I was super into popcorn. I was breastfeeding him. So that was the worst idea. Um, and so he had like really bad reflux. But um, I do think those, in those first few weeks, the just not knowing whether he had that syndrome because mm. um, we only knew months and months later once we had regular checks with Dr. Patel and once it started to grow. So I sort of felt, um, I don't know, like I didn't, it was hard to know what his future was going to be like. Mm. Um, That particular syndrome, it's quite common for kids who have that to get childhood cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the back of my head, I was constantly thinking like, what if we have to go through something like that with him? Mm. Um, But yeah, my my mum was amazing again. <laughs> um, she came over and she was, you know, helped me. She was burping him because I'm a terrible. I'm still terrible at burping <laughs> babies and fight having to. Um, and she made sure I got some sleep. And my husband, thankfully, um, was home for the first six weeks, which yeah. was helped recovery massively. Um, so I had all the right support, and I'm also, um. I was also like trying to be in tune and aware of how I was feeling. Um, mm. And I spoke up when I thought I wasn't, you know, doing very well. Um, but yeah, it, I definitely got, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't, um, I didn't have postnatal depression, but I definitely, I think I had postnatal anxiety Yeah, and I was leaning towards the depression, but thankfully um, I didn't, yeah, didn't get there. Yeah. Yeah. And how were you sort of managing those anxious feelings? Did you get anything that helped you there or did you just find that talking with people helped or what was that like? Um, I just found that talking definitely helped. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was previously I, previously quite anxious anyway, Yeah. Um, but it's a different type of anxiety, I think, especially after you've just had a child. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that talking helped heaps. Um and just being open and just sort of taking a step back, saying when you're not doing well. Um, and especially my we put my first into daycare um, a few more hours. So I had heaps of time at home with Harrison, which was really helpful. Um, 
and if you if you're having a tough time with the baby just it's okay to put them in a safe space and to just step out of the room and take a deep breath Mm. um you don't you know you don't have to hold a screaming baby for hours you can just take a deep breath as long as they're safe and take time to regroup and you know do all that sort of stuff um and again my sister was awesome in um helping me with that i pretty sure I asked my sister a question every single day for the first mm-hmm. three months of each of those child's lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. Cool. And what was your breastfeeding journey like this time? Um, we had our ups and downs. He um, ended up in hospital at two months old with bronchiolitis. Yeah. And um, that made breastfeeding, that, that changed our breastfeeding journey because mm. before that I, had, I was constantly engorged and had too much milk. And he went on a boob strike for uh, about a week. Um, and so my supply sort of evened out. Um, but, but besides that, he, yeah, again, he fed on demand. Um, he was super hungry. I found it really challenging to keep up with him, actually. Um, he he dropped his birth weight by about, I think it was 8%. So not insignificant, but not too scary. Mm. Um, but he was quite big. Um, so I, yeah, I had just fed him around the clock and it was a definitely a little bit more challenging than it was with my first. Um, but his latch was fine and everything was fine. It was just the demand that I couldn't quite keep yeah, up with. Yeah. Um, but I just, yeah, I just sort of leaned into how he was doing and how, what he wanted. And mm. we ended up feeding for 14 months, I think. Yeah. Um, but each time he got sick, he was in hospital twice. Um, it was breast milk that got like, it was when he got back on the boob, that was always the turning corner mm. to him getting better. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm super glad that I did it and then I stuck with it. Um, but it was definitely more challenging, which I absolutely took for granted the first mm. time. I definitely took for granted how easy it was because it's not all, it, yeah it's not you it's the baby and the yeah it can change definitely yeah yeah and how did you find the adjustment from um one to two and yeah obviously um the dynamic changes and how did Evie go um getting used to having Harrison around it was so hard like (laughs) people tell you that it's hard but it's so hard honestly oh my god um I think like they were close in age, like closer than we anticipated, which in some ways I think helped. And in other ways, it's probably a little bit challenging. Um, Like she, Evie was great. She loved, always like loved Harrison, Mm. but we've definitely had the wax on their heads. And even like now they fight. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he can get his own back and he gives her a good whack as well. Yeah. it was hard to not be able to um, communicate to Evie when I had to give Harrison my attention. Um, and I often I often felt that I was sort of, you know, putting Harrison's needs second mm. and all that sort of stuff when Evie was more vocal um, about her needs. Um, so he spent a lot of the time in the front pack, especially like around dinner time and bath time. Yeah. Um, and I'd put I'd put him to sleep way probably way after his you know supposed bedtime mm. because I had to focus on Evie yeah. um it was yeah it was definitely challenging the first three months were probably the hardest and then it slowly starts to get easier mm. I put Harrison into a routine after three months 
basically just to make it easier look right I never did routines with easy mm. but um just so I knew what to expect and when to expect it and stuff like that yeah and it helped and I found with Evie as well giving her something to do to help was also super helpful because she just ultimately wanted attention yeah yeah and wanted wanted to be involved so um I got her like a little baby and her baby had a front pack and a, <laughs> like a high chair and yeah he had like the whole get up um so when I would change Harrison like she'd change her baby and she'd get me Harrison's nappies <laughs> and the wipes and the clothes and all that sort of stuff so um yeah giving her little tasks to do definitely helped that's for sure yeah yeah awesome but it's hard yeah yeah <laughs> yeah cool and what about your long-term physical recovery from your c-section how have you found that um I did this the core strength is definitely lacking mm-hmm. um and my my like my scoliosis um is definitely probably I wouldn't say it's at its worst but it's um it's yeah it's not great like I'm definitely very asymmetrical um because in terms of my strength yeah. because of carrying Harrison on my hip um mostly still and also just not having like not regaining that core strength yeah. properly yeah. um there's like the scar still sometimes randomly gets itchy mm-hmm. which is really uncomfortable because you yeah um and it's healed pretty well there's um like a really gnarly massive bit in the middle but I'm not concerned about how it looks because it's so low that no one would ever see it um but yeah I wore those support shorts I think they're called SRC support shorts afterwards and I definitely think they helped heaps they're impossible to get on (laughs) like they're super tight um, and once I got them on, I was too scared to take them <laughs> off. But um, like they're so tight yeah. um, that they helped a lot um, just in terms of it wasn't about losing weight. It was just about sort of keeping everything yeah. stronger. Um, and, yeah, I definitely recommend those. Those were a huge help afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. And is there anything else that you'd like to share um, about either of your birth stories or pregnancies or anything before we close up? Um. I don't think so. I just think that if anyone's faced with the decision about whether to have an elective cesarean or not for whatever reason, um, I'd still feel that there's a stigma around it, um, which is such a shame. This doesn't matter how you birth as long as that baby gets out healthy and happy. Um, And as long as you're healthy and happy as well. Um, Yeah, I sort of felt like after I had Harrison, I was saying, oh, he was born by cesarean because a yeah, yeah. you know because of Evie's birth but it doesn't matter and it's no one's business and it's still yeah it's I just think that people should feel empowered to make the the right choice for them yeah. and their children really yeah yeah, yeah. no I'm absolutely yeah. an advocate for that too and I think um yeah your story is a great one uh for empowering mothers to sort of make the decision that suits them best so I really appreciate you sharing and yeah a huge thank you for taking time out of your evening to speak with me Kate so thank you Thanks, Jordan. That's awesome. No worries. Cathartic. (laughs) Another huge thank you to Little One Snappies, exclusively available at Countdown for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate your support, and yeah, it means heaps, so thank you. I hope you've loved this episode as much as I did recording it. Kate was so awesome, so yeah, I hope you got heaps out of it. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback, so like I said earlier, feel free to leave me a review on whatever app you're listening on, 
or send me a message. I love to hear from you and I can't wait to bring you next week's episode. Okay, talk to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 